Chapter 10 of Rufus and Rose, or The Fortunes of Rough and Ready. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Rufus and Rose, or The Fortunes of Rough and Ready, by Horatio Alger, Jr. Chapter 10. Mr. Martin again appears on the scene. The success of the periodical store put Rufus into good spirits. He saw that it would yield him, if only the present degree of prosperity continued, at least $300 a year, which would make quite a handsome addition to his income. He felt justified in going to a little extra expense, and determined to celebrate his good luck by taking Martha and Rose to a place of amusement. It happened that at this time a company of Japanese jugglers were performing at the Academy of Music, which, as my New York readers know, is situated on 14th Street. Meaning it to be a surprise, he said nothing to Rose or Martha, but before going downtown the next day, went to the box office and secured three reserved seats in an excellent situation. They were expensive, but Rufus was resolved that he would not spare expense, for this occasion at least. When he reached home at half-past five in the afternoon, he went up at once to Martha's room. "'Miss Manning,' he said, "'have you any engagement this evening?' "'It is hardly necessary to ask Rufus,' she replied." My company is not in very great demand. You have heard of the Japanese jugglers at the Academy of Music? Yes, Miss Florence was speaking of them this morning. She and her husband went last evening. And we are going this evening. Wouldn't you like to go, Rosie? Ever so much, Rufie, will you take me? Yes, I have got tickets. See here. And Rufus drew out the three tickets which he had purchased in the morning. Thank you, Rufus, said Miss Manning. I should like very much to go. It is long since I went to any place of amusement. How much do the tickets cost? A dollar and a half apiece. Isn't that rather extravagant? It would be if we went every week, but now and then we can afford it. You must let me pay for my ticket, Rufus. Not if I know it, said Rufus. It is a pity if a Wall Street banker can't carry a lady to a place of amusement without charging her for the ticket. If you put it that way, I suppose I must yield, said Miss Manning, smiling. Rose was highly excited at the idea of going to see the Japanese, whose feats, as described by Miss Florence at the breakfast table, had interested her exceedingly. The prospect of sitting up till eleven in the evening also had its charm, and she was quite too excited to eat much dinner. Really, said Miss Clifton, I quite envy you, Miss Manning. I tried to get Mr. Clifton to buy tickets, but he hasn't done it. First time I heard of it, said her husband. You pay very little attention to what I ask. I am aware of that said Miss Clifton, in an aggrieved tone. We'll go now, if you say so. We couldn't get any decent seats. When did you buy yours, Mr. Rushton? This morning. Mrs. Clifton, who was thoroughly selfish, hinted that probably Rose wouldn't care about going, and that she should be glad to buy the ticket and accompany Rufus and Miss Manning. But this hint failed to be taken, and she was forced unwillingly to stay at home. To tell the truth, Miss Manning was scarcely less pleased than Rose at the idea of going. Until recently, she had been a poor seamstress, earning scarcely enough to subsist upon, much less pay for amusements. Sometimes, in the early evening, she had passed the portals of places of amusement, and wished that she was able to break the tedious monotony of her daily life by entering. But it was quite out of the question. With a sigh, she would pass on. Now, she was very differently situated, and her life was much pleasanter. "'Can I wear my new dress, Martha?' asked Rose." yes rosie it was fortunate that i got it finished today and will you wear yours too martha yes i think so she said 
Rufus has bought us nice tickets, and we must look as well as we can. When both were dressed, they surveyed themselves with satisfaction. Miss Manning was not above the weakness, if it was a weakness, of liking to appear well-dressed, though she was not as demonstrative as Rose, who danced about the room in high enjoyment. When they were quite ready, Rufus came into the room. He had a pair of kid gloves in one hand, which he turtled about in rather an embarrassed way. "'I can't get the confounded things on, Miss Manning,' he said. "'I've been trying for some time, but it's a no-go. "'The fact is, I never owned a pair of kid gloves before. <laughs> "'I'd enough sight rather go without any, "'but I suppose if I'm going to sit in a fashionable seat, "'I must try to look fashionable.' Miss Manning soon explained to Rufus how the gloves should go on. This time, the success was better, and he was soon neatly gloved. "'They are pretty gloves, Rufus,' she said. "'I don't like the feeling of them,' said Rufus. "'They feel strange.' That is because you're not used to them. You'll like them better soon. I wonder what some of my old street friends would say to see me now, said Rufus, smiling. <laughs> They'd think I was a tip-top swell. Though the gloves did not feel comfortable, Rufus looked at his hands with satisfaction. Step by step, he was getting into the ways of civilized life, and he was very anxious to leave as far behind him as possible his street experiences. Soon after dinner, they left the house, and proceeding to Broadway, walked up as far as Union Square. Then they turned down 14th Street, and a few minutes brought them to the Academy of Music. The entrance and vestibule were brilliantly lighted. On the steps and in front were a number of speculators, who were eagerly offering their tickets to those who appeared unprovided. Rufus pushed his way through, with Martha and Rose at his side. His tickets were taken at the gate, but the portion indicating the number of their reserved seats was torn off and given back to them. On showing them to the usher, they were conducted to their seats, which were in the sixth row from the stage, and fronting it. We'll have a good view here, Miss Manning, he said. Soon the curtain rose and the performance commenced. To those who have not seen the Japanese in their peculiar performance, it is enough to say that they show marvelous skill and agility in their feats, some of which are so difficult as to seem almost impossible. All three enjoyed the performance. Miss Manning, though so much older, was almost as unaccustomed as little Rose herself to such scenes, and took a fresh interest in it, which those who go often cannot feel. Every now and then, little Rose, unable to restrain her enthusiasm, exhibited her delight openly. I should like, for the benefit of my younger readers, to give a detailed account of some portions of the performance, which seemed most wonderful, but my memory is at fault, and I can only speak in general terms. It was a little after ten when the curtain finally fell. Is that all? asked Rose, half in disappointment. That's all, Rosie. Are you sleepy? Not a bit, said Rose vivaciously. I would like to stay here an hour longer. Wasn't it perfectly beautiful, Rufie? Yes, it was very good, said Rufus. I don't know, but I liked it almost as well as the old Bowery. Though he had risen in the social scale, he had not quite lost his relish for the style of plays for which the old Bowery, the favorite theater with the street boys, is celebrated. But the, he had a suspicion that it was not exactly a fashionable place of amusement. He would like to have taken Rose and Miss Manning there this evening. He would hardly have liked to mention it at the table afterwards, however. The audience rose from their seats and Rufus with them. Slowly, they moved towards the door and at last made their way to the entrance. Had Rufus known who was waiting there, he might have felt a little nervous. But he did not know, and it devolves upon us to explain. Three days before, Mr. Martin, who had been sentenced to the penitentiary for three months, 
on account of his attempt at picking pockets, which we have already chronicled, was released. To say the least, he left the prison no better than he had entered it. Better in one sense he was, for he had been forced for three months to abstain from drink, and this he felt to be a great hardship. But it had been a favorable influence upon his health, and his skin was clearer, his nose not quite so ruddy as when he was arrested. But so far, as good intentions went, he had not formed any during his exile from society, and now that he was released, he was just as averse to living by honest industry as before. However, his resources were still limited. Money had never been very plentiful with him, and just as present, he was not encumbered with any. It did not occur to him that the shortest way to obtain some was to go to work, or if it did, the suggestion did not strike him favorably. It did occur to him, however, that there were charitable persons in the metropolis who might be induced to help him, and who resolved to act upon his suggestion. Accordingly, he haunted the neighborhood of the Academy of Music, until the stream of people began to pour out from it, and then he felt that time had come for him to carry out his plans. He went up to a gentleman who was coming out with a young lady leaning on his arm. "'Will you listen to me a minute?' he said. In a whining tone, "'I haven't eaten anything since yesterday, and I have no money to pay for a night's lodging.' "'Why don't you go to work?' said the gentleman. "'I can't get anything to do, sir. I've been trying for something all day.' The fact was, Mr. Martin had been lounging about a low bar room all day. Here, take this and clear the way. The gentleman, more to get rid of him than anything else, dropped five cents into his hand and passed on. He might have given a quarter, grumbled Martin. It wouldn't have hurt him. He looked up, intending to make similar application of the next person, when he uttered an exclamation of su surprise and exultation. Close before him, he saw Rufus and his little sister, accompanied by Miss Manning. End of chapter 10